on and off all day you have yeah hmm. how's yeah. that going well Do you ever, are you someone with like a hiccup trick no i don't have a hiccup trick but what happens is that i will get the hiccups really early in the morning mm-hmm. and then i will have them on and off for the rest of the day mm-hmm. and so the problem is is that today for some reason that my hiccups were happening whenever i took a sip of tea so it was like I had just taken a sip of this hot liquid, uh-huh. and I would need to hiccup. So you're doing the spit take all over your Yeah, lap. which is especially bad because I threw up my neck <laughs> because I had the audacity to sleep on a bed last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, like, enjoying my hot tea, and then all of a sudden I hiccup, and then they're shooting pain, and it's it's a whole thing. Sounds like it's going really well. It's going great <laughs> over here. Just my body is falling apart. Well, it was lovely to see you at the festival. That's on true. Saturday, we I did to, have fun. I was paying for it dearly now, apparently, with my <laughs> got a little too wild. I got a little too play. wild at wordplay. Yeah, that was so. We're talking wordplay, folks, which is a brand new. This was the first ever year, and I think it went off pretty well. Um, a brand new literary festival here in the Twin Cities, put on by um, the Loft Literary Center. Yeah, which is I. I don't. Um, do you have a sense of how many organizations like the Loft there are like in the country? I know there's like the Center for Fiction in New York, but I honestly I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. I do know, however, that the Loft is like nationally yeah. or internationally recognized as yeah, a good. very good center. Yeah, it's yeah. a good place. But they threw this festival and it kind of brought in the usual book festival fair, right? We had a bunch of booksellers. We had a bunch of publishers in town. We had Stephen King. We had authors. We had Stephen King. You and I were like in line ready to yeah. see Stephen King. We met. The, the three block yeah. <laughs> long line. We did. We really did wait in like a, um, which was kind of a weird experience because usually when I go to these things or when you go to these things, we're not, we're not like the lay people there, you know, like we are often We don't there. wait in lines it, it, it's because not, we're the, we're the workers. Yeah. You know, it's usually like a work event. And this was, I guess, half a work event. Like we went as... You know, like we had plenty of work conversations while we were there, but like our function there was just to wander around and have a good time, which was actually a very nice way to spend a uh, morning because usually, and I was saying this as we were standing there and I'm drinking my like, there was one point where I was drinking both of our coffees. Yeah. Uh, I had <laughs> a, yeah, we, you had a cold or a cold press. Is yeah. that what that's called? Was, I don't know what it was. And then, it was very and then there was a Vietnamese coffee, which yeah. was very sweet. Right. And you were drinking both of them. But I remember standing there with those and thinking, you know, this is so nice that I'm not in, like, a a hotel and there's not some weird commute I had to look up to get to the thing. Like, it was nice to finally have one of these things, like, in our own city, you know. And Nobody it, was pitching you in the porta-potties? <laughs> that actually did happen, actually. What? But not at the porta-potties, but on the way to the bathroom, I was pitched a book. Were you? Which is actually, you did not tell I know, me this. I know, but what's wild about it, actually... Because usually when we go, like just for context, when Laura and I go to festivals or when any agent goes to a festival, you're wearing a name tag that says your name and your occupation. And that means that every second you stand idle, someone is coming up and pitching you yeah. a book. Your name and is also on the website, so they were able to, like, prepare. They've, like, zeroed in on your picture. You know, they know what you're looking <laughs> like. Uh, but I did get pitched once, um, which was fine. Once is fine. I don't care. At wordplay, you got pitched. Yeah, which is weird because, like, I don't even know how he knew. It was, in retrospect, it's actually a very strange thing because I wasn't wearing a name tag and he wasn't at an event that should have suggested that he was, like, ready to pitch somebody. And you weren't, like, speaking, so it's not like somebody recognized your voice yeah. from Print Run. But he had it He had it ready to go. He's Like, I said hello to him and... Wait, he, why were you saying hello to somebody outside the bathroom? Because he was like making conversation. We were standing there. We were just, okay. We were just guys were you in being line? dudes. Okay. We were just guys being dudes. Were you outside. in line? Like, draw me a map, <laughs> please. Give me a diagram. So anyway, you were talking, and, and like, yeah. so clearly he knew who you were, but like, did he no, let on that, that he, he knew? knew? No, I don't know that he knew. I think we like fell into it because 
the strange thing was, like I said, rookie was, mistake. He asked, like, "Well, what do you do?" And I said, "Well, I'm an agent. And I'm just kind of here talking to presses and stuff." And he kind of leans in and goes, "What can I tell you about my book?" <laughs> and at that point, he got into like, like he was right, like it was like pitch copy. You know, like he tell it was like a rehearsed thing. Oh wow! And which was just again so strange to me that he had this like in the holster because we were not at a pitch event. Like this is uh, this is not even like a a writers <laughs> conference or like a writers event. Like this is specifically an event for readers. But as we always say, Laura, you don't have to get ready when you stay ready. <laughs> and this person had stayed ready. <laughs> And was his book did his book sound good I don't remember to oh. be honest um, but they're going to send me an email about it which hey. is great um, so he shot his shot he did shoot his shot in it. and um, please don't pitch me at the bathroom if you're <laughs> listening to this and considering doing that um, but what else we saw Stephen King he was he in conversation with Benjamin Percy um, he was funny and fine you know at one point he was talking about chewing gum that had a moth on it you know yeah. it was very it gross. was a story from his mother yeah that his mother used to um, have chewing gum and, mm-hmm. you know, she only would get like one stick a week or something. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, she would, you know, stick it onto her bed frame. And one night overnight, um, a moth alighted on it and got stuck. And so she grabbed it the next morning without looking at it, popped it in her mouth and apparently bit down on the moth and could feel it like <laughs> flutter. Uh. And so he was talking about how this evocative kind mm-hmm. of horrific yeah. body story with tons of detail like caused him to become who he is which oh. like okay that moth created Stephen King I'll be honest I was really taken aback by his very deep and low-throated cackle when he would <laughs> laugh you remember that it's like ha, 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 ha. it was he sounded like a like a strange. like a villain yeah no it was which it was really something. yeah because um, his voice isn't that deep no which is lovely yeah. yeah it was really really funny um yeah people talk a lot about the butterfly effect but the moth effect <laughs> wow is the stephen really king nice. one really thank nice you. one um, thank you so I don't know what else did we do there. We talked to a bunch of presses. You ate we beignets. Met some, I ate a lot. Honestly, I ate a lot of beignets, <laughs> and I was really kind of feeling it for a while. But we talked to some MFA programs. We did kind of the whole nine yards, and then I went home. It was the perfect festival day because I didn't get caught up in all the stuff that always happens, like in the afternoon and afterward. So we met a couple felt, of Print Run fans. Oh, that so was fun. So yeah. if you're listening, thank you. Yeah. No, that was fun. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. What else? Is there anything else to say about wordplay? Do you have any other takes on it other than that it was just like a nice day for a good book event and we what we were happy to go? It was really amazing to see people get up and start standing in line at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning yeah. to go to a book festival. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's just so cool. Yeah, no, it was good. It was um, the energy. I didn't quite know what to expect, especially with something in its first year. But they, it really did end up being a um, a positive experience, I think. Oh. And I always feel I always feel really proud of the Minneapolis scene out here because I think that it's I think it's pretty darn strong, and mm-hmm. I would put it up really against anywhere in the country. And I feel vindicated doing that on days like Saturday where the community really shows up in full and wants to do stuff. And um, what we bought some books. We did. We did. We bought some books. Um, Everybody tried to give us a tote bag. Yeah, there were a lot of tote bags. We only accepted one a (laughs) piece. Yeah. So we did a good job. Um, But that was good. Um, But I suppose that at this point it is time to say welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, and you know by now, it's Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. So today we actually, it's hard to describe where we got this topic. It was sort of a general trend that was popping up in our replies online as we, um, you know, kind of our last few shows, I guess. They were a bit bit of a bummer. (laughs) And really just in kind of, and I can see how this, I don't think that this is a, I think that Print Run by and large is a positive show. Right, I think that I, or at least I hope, I like to think that our enthusiasm is apparent. That it's clear that we love the industry. That it, you know, that we're doing this from a place of joy, even as we tell story after story and cover news item after news item of really kind of some bleak stuff. Right, like mm-hmm. we we kind of you know we're 
we talk about a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily cheery on this <laughs> show. But, like, people were finally – it feels like maybe we hit kind of a breaking point with it the last few weeks where people were kind of like, why would I want to be a part of any of this when every <laughs> single week you get on here and you talk about how bleak it is? And fair point. I think that that is an absolutely fair point to wonder, and I think it got us both thinking, like, why are we doing this? Like, what is the, um, like, what keeps us going in this? Because it sure as hell isn't, like, the pay and the benefits, you know what I mean? Like, we're doing this for some reason, and we should kind of, like, try to suss out why, because it's an interesting question when so much of our energy is spent examining uh, the negative side of things. And so we bring you, dear listener, the hope episode. The hope episode. Which is a mixture, Laura, of the words hope and episode. Really? <laughs> um, but anyway, before we kind of get into, you know, the things that make us hopeful about, you know, the industry as it currently sits, um, how about we get the basic rundown, huh? Yeah, so it is May. Mm -hmm. That means we have... Meltdown May, baby. Meltdown May. Um, we have three special episodes coming for you this month. As always, we have our query show and our first pages show. If you would like your query or your first page to be read, send them to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And those are available uh, if you are a patron on Patreon. And then, of course, we have our third episode, also available on Patreon. It's a special episode. It's what we use as a flex episode. Mm -hmm. So last um, last week, last month, we did one on the call from both sides. Kind of what is what does that look like? Um, what should what should you as an author prepare for? What do we as agents prepare for? Right. And so that's available on Patreon. Um, but we haven't honestly, folks, haven't figured out what we're going to do yet this month. <laughs> Believe it or not. For Believe a it or show not, that releases all its special content at the last possible second. That's a, that's a, like um, a recent thing, know, though. We should thing. like get back on that. We're gonna reel it in. We're gonna reel it in. We're gonna we're gonna get it tight for summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling so, very tight. Yeah, summer. we're gonna get it real tight for summer. Um, mm -hmm. So if you would like a specific conversation. Or, you know, you want us to cover a specific topic. Like, we're here to serve you with our special episode. So yeah. let us know. Um, otherwise, we will dig into the archives and find some questions or some topics that we haven't yet covered to our satisfaction. So yeah, we send them to us. We've got questions, concerns, suggestions, queries, or first pages. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Laura. Yes. Let's do this thing. Okay. So here's where I want to start with this. Um, basically, with like any good story, we're going to start with kind of framing a problem, right, that needs solving. Mm -hmm. And today that problem is, well, I mean, where would we even begin? You know, we work in an industry that, you know, our friends are getting laid off all the time. We're seeing, you know, publishing, you know, maneuvers and ventures that we strongly dislike all the time nobody gets it feel, paid it feel, yeah the wages are low the pay for authors is low people are treated as disposed all these different things you could list off you could really just go through our entire catalog of mm -hmm. shows and come up with any number of reasons why working in publishing sucks mm -hmm. or being in you know in or however you would kind of define the you know author relationship you know writing you know in a professional manner within this landscape um you know it's it's tough it's difficult but I guess maybe the place I want to start is on its fundamental level. Like, And I honestly, I hope that you haven't prepped that much for this question because I think it's almost more interesting to kind of get the kind of elemental knee-jerk response. I wait with what, bated breath. No, it's, it's, it's a, and it's a really vague one, but like what keeps you in it, you know? Mm. Like what do you feel like when you get up in the morning and it's time to go do your 19 different publishing jobs, like what makes you want to do it and why – is whatever that is an act a you know worthwhile like counterbalance to the many things that we talk about mm. all the time you well know? first things first eric point of order i technically only have three publishing <laughs> jobs okay um sure. <laughs> not including all of my like sure. random freelance stuff um but i think okay so i i feel like i have two different answers mm -hmm. to this question one is the answer that is true most of the time which is when i'm alone and doing this job by myself on my couch mm -hmm. um with only a wonderful slack channel and twitter to keep me logged into the world mm, um, warm ambient light warm ambient online, light like a little fireplace <laughs> and i think the answer for what keeps me in it 
in those moments is something really just simple, but I think it's it is deeply profound, which is that I believe that words have the ability to create who somebody is or change who they are or really like influence them or affect their life in a way that nothing else does. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I wake up every morning and I look at the hell that is my slush pile <laughs> and the mountain of work I have to do. But, like, at the end of the day, I still want to read that slush pile because I know that in there, there is something that might change my life. Well, so it sounds – it kind of gets at that idea that the, you know, the very basic task itself, like – Finding, like, if you were to describe your job or my job or any agent's job, like, it's finding worthwhile books mm-hmm. and trying to get them out into the world, yeah. you know? And I I agree with all of that that you just said, obviously. Like, there's a certain, I think, import to the task itself. Like, it feels as though, um, you know, there's nothing like reading something good, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm and, not, like, a deeply... Um, like community oriented person in terms of like I will never be interested in doing a ton like like signing up for the Peace Corps or like becoming a teacher (laughs) or you know things like that like that is just not something where I feel any of like skills or interests of mine lie Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like I am very passionate about connecting with and like serving other humans and this is honestly the only way I know how to do it sure um well it's very it's very intimate in its own way right like I mean we're kind of drifting into like what's the point of reading or what's the point of like helping people find things to read but like the and this and this is maybe you know when I was sitting around thinking about why I am interested and energized by any of this or what the counterbalancing hope is for you know, how I kind of see things. It's that everything is so personal. Mm, what do you mean publishing. by that? Well, I mean that when we talk about when we talk about publishing on this show and you see people grandstanding about it on the Internet or whatever it is, people start talking about the industry, capital T, capital I. They're painting it as this big, giant monolith, right? They're talking about, like, the, the sum of all the parts – you know, all the big houses, all the small houses, all the editors within those places as sort of this one cohesive body, right? It's this big giant thing and we have to spend all this time debating whether or not publishing wants this or publishing wants that or publishing is a certain thing or it's not or, you know, what are the politics of publishing? You know, like the point is like we're always talking about the book world as like this big kind of unit, right? This big kind of cohesive thing and that can feel, to me at least, that's where so much of the negativity, I think, arises. Yeah. Because we look at this giant thing and we look at any number of this, the things that, you know, irritate us about the book world, whether it's kind of poor books or bad labor practices or any of this stuff. And we say, wow, that on that scale is really bad. But to kind of tie back to what you're talking about, the thing that I really like about that, about publishing and, you know, if I were to address any of the people who listen to this show who kind of have this question like hey why what's the point of doing any of this if it sucks as bad as you say <laughs> it's that this is so much more of an intimate and individualized like task when it comes to you know connection between the various links in the chain like for instance i work on a lot of politics books right and these books are you know they're pretty leftist in you know in scope and in topic but publishing by no one's standards is a <laughs> particularly like the political spectrum, you know, or the political beliefs of publishing as a cohesive whole are not all that progressive. Right. right. They're pretty centered. And you could even make an argument if you were feeling kind of cranky that they lean kind of to the right. Um, but that isn't necessarily my experience on the ground day to day. Right. Because I'm finding individuals, individual authors who don't think anything like that average, you know, co- you know, big aggregate score. They think their own specific thought. And I have my own specific thought. And then my job with these books, and this is something I have to remind myself all the time, is that 
I don't, I don't have to convince all of publishing to like this book, right? I have to convince one other person at a publishing house to care about it. Who then to, turns around and convinces everybody right. else Who at that then, publishing you know, house. So once I've gotten this, um, you know, once I've gotten one editor on board, their job is to then go get approval from one other person or one other set of people. And the point is that in all this, like, heavy work, there's really only, like, five or so people involved. <laughs> and the result is that it's actually really – it's kind of a really intimate process. It's a process that – feels very individualized it's very personal and like feeling out those relationships you know with you know the reason you what you said kind of brought it to mind is that it's you know it's changing you know like on a personal level like to work with these things and to work so closely with individuals not with a big giant cohesive industry you know not with some like faceless machine but with people it has the effect of changing you you know like you come away you know, I can think of, like, I, you know, so often when I'm thinking about political things, the arguments in my head are ones that my own authors have made in books that are not published yet. And they've stuck with you. And they've, exactly. Yeah. And so, like... They've changed this, who you are. They've changed who I am. And I have that thought. It's like, okay, well, I just need it to change one other person. And then eventually we'll get this out to readers. And But even though, even that relationship doesn't have to be this like composite score it's about individuals finding this thing and so and it's, it's kind of magic it is it's still it's still a field that largely feels based on you know one-on-one experience you know reading is not something you do i mean i guess you can theoretically do it in a group but even then it's you read like it's just you reading the words you know what i mean like it's very individualized it's very much with yourself and as long as that's true i feel like i'm always going to be able to on some level get past whatever like big broad sweeping industry trends are kind of threatening to make that less fun you mm-hmm. know so i don't know i mean i guess that that's kind of what what I, what I was sitting with earlier today was just like this idea that um no matter how hopeless things feel on a content level and we can get into kind of structural stuff in a second i hope that we do but um on like an individual book level this stuff really is just about that specific spark and that specific experience. And as long as that exists, I think there's a lot of, like, there's a reason to want to write that if you're an author. There's reason to want to, you know, work on that if you're us or buy it if you're an editor. Like, any of that stuff, I think that that really matters, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even just taking into context what we did this weekend. Yeah. Which was, you know, hang out with a bunch of other people who believe... Not necessarily the same thing politically, um, but people who believe that other people's stories and other people's thoughts are worth their time. And yeah. I think that, like, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about how bad it is that publishing is becoming right. Um, and that is deeply, deeply true. But, like, I I think at, at its core, we should always remember and acknowledge that reading is like scientifically proven to help improve empathy. And so just, I think by the act of engaging with work, like I, I think that it, it kind of pulls itself against that, that, that deep slide towards fascism, which is happening right now. Let me ask you this. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Do you think the books are good right now? That books are good? Not, I know that books as a concept are good, but I'm asking, like... Are the you, books when, that are coming out when now you look good? At, when you look at publishing right now, yeah. do you think that what you're seeing, like, especially within the categories you work in, you know, YA or, you know, science fiction, any of these, you know, is it go like, <laughs> how's it going? You know what I mean? Like, do you feel that the field is doing a good like doing a good enough job of producing worthwhile work that excites you you know obviously you like your own list right. but like when you look at what you're publishing into in the market like how do you feel it's going you I'm, know i'm really energized sure. by what is being produced sure. right now okay. um and i think like quite honestly um and i was actually ranting about this in the context of game of thrones earlier this week um but i i think one of the things that this job or even just, you know, my own reading habit and my interest in story structure and in plot. Like, I think um, what that's done is, like, fundamentally 
they're like I'm my own spoiler right like I can watch a movie and understand what the ending is right away like and so I really treasure and value media that surprises me and it doesn't necessarily have to be like I didn't see that plot point coming but it can be as nuanced as I wasn't quite expecting that character to make that choice even though it makes sense in the context of who they are even if it doesn't make sense in the context of where I thought this plot was going and so I I am really energized by how surprising books are to me right now which seems like a weird like metric for are the books good yeah, um, no, but, that but but I think I think it counts and it's not just that like the books are surprising me right like I think what if you if you really drill down into what makes a surprising book it makes a point of view that you're not super used to mm-hmm. right and I think that comes down to diversity you know like we're having a great surge in the diversity of the voices that are being published you know Mm -hmm. it's not just the hero's journey again and again and again and again and because people are coming at publishing with different cultural context and different historical context and different ideas of what a story what a good story structure is and what good characters are um it means that I have more opportunities to be surprised. And to me, like, that is really, really exciting. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's a good answer. And that it kind of loops back to really what I think is at the heart of this, you know, kind of this big question that we're asking here, which is, like, is <laughs> is any of this worth it? You know, should we <laughs> – should someone – like – I guess, you know, I mean, almost a thought experiment is like if someone reached out to you, someone young, maybe they're coming out of college or something, and said, should I want to work in publishing? Mm. Like, there are lots and lots of reasons I could we could list and have listed for years now why the answer might theoretically be no. But as long as the answer is interesting things are being published by good people, then the I, answer think that is the, yes. I think that the answer is still yes. And I look at, like right now, like if I were to answer that question about like, are the books good? You know, obviously, I voice ad nauseum many of my complaints with what's happening in nonfiction right now, especially on the in the political realm. But even on the lit fic side, like, it's very fashionable to mm-hmm. talk about how boring contemporary literary fiction is right now. <laughs> like, it's sort of the same, like, MFA. I feel like that's always been fashionable, yeah, though. Yeah, it's like everyone kind of likes to rag on the same sort of MFA template, you know, novel that's coming out of the same places from the same sorts of people and... Um, you know, kind of being published into the same set of blurbers and the same, you know, types of reviews. And all of that is tr- true. <laughs> and I don't necessarily disagree with that on on giant composite aggregate. But I think that there is a ton of really good lit fic happening right now. I think there's a ton of really good, um, you know, I guess even literary nonfiction, you know, especially feels like a space that's really booming into something interesting in a way that maybe it hadn't previously. Mm-hmm. And I just look at that and I think if that, if that scene still exists, it doesn't have to be a big scene, and it's not a big scene, trust me, and it's not as big of a scene as publishing would like you to believe. Lots and lots of stuff gets awards and is hyped up that really isn't any good at all. But it sells like 2,000 copies. But yeah. like, there's plenty of stuff that is really good, and as long as like I can make a day job out of trying to figure out what those things are and why and what the difference is, and how can I be someone who helps publish the good things and not the bad? <laughs> like, that to me is something anyone should want to do. Like, I would say that's the kind of job that, you know, anyone would be would be glad to have if you can get it. I and, would also say that there's something really beautiful and also, like, incredibly narcissistic, um, which is, like, an irresistible draw to me, quite honestly, about finding something in the slush or even like if you're a writer writing something and then having it make it and and influence people and you know like from an agent you know I'm not a writer Eric is but um 
to to find a book and say, hey, I think that this book is good. I think that this book is important. I think that this book will make an impact. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. I'm always, you know, we work for a boutique agency. Like, we're always looking for impact more than we're looking for money. Although money is great, too. I really um, would like some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Me too, Eric. <laughs> um, but I think being able to like go into a bookstore and look at the you know look on the shelf and you know see the little shelf talker about the bookseller who's like you should buy this book it's really awesome and here are all the reasons and to go i helped make that happen like i saw that and now more people more people than i will ever meet are now having the opportunity to think the same things that I do. Like there, there is something irresistible about that. You know, to turn I, your personal taste into yeah. something that influences thousands of people. That's the only way I buy books now. By the way. Yeah. Um, I go. I, I mean, unless obviously you know, I kind of go into the store knowing what I want. But like, if it's like a set of things, I'll, like usually I just like go to the table and like those written cards right like oh you know, i love those where, like, cards. Some, a bookseller has written like i pretty much will am i walk in ready to be convinced by a stranger you know yes. that i should get some. you know what i but, like, really it, only yeah. read books based on recommendation yeah. which means yeah, me like too. which explains why i've been reading tons of litfic lately because i hang yeah. out with you yeah um so, so my my shelf is all like sad swedes <laughs> as everyone's <laughs> shelf should be um, but so <laughs> The last, I mean, maybe like the last place I kind of want to turn this is this, you know, this last kind of thought I had about the industry and about where it's headed and about what's going. And it's like, there are a lot of days, you know, too many to count where things can feel really bleak, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a comp, you know, I sent, I had the other day, this, um, this instance happened where I had this, I've gotten pitching this novel right now. Um, I really, you know, I feel strongly about it. I got it all, re- you know, I got the pitch already, all that kind of stuff, you know, knew exactly who I wanted to send it to, right? Like, I have all these editors that I, you know, I don't know, as in, like, we don't hang out all the time, but we've talked about books a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like, we've got sort of that rapport, and so I was excited to show them this thing as part of an ongoing part of our conversations, and I sent the pitch out, and I, I think it went to, like, 10 editors, and, like, four of them had been laid off, <gasps> or were telling me Oof. that they were getting, like, and it's like... And I remember I, it just felt so poignant to me as it happened. And there was this, you know, this one woman um, who, again, like, it's weird because these book friendships you make in the industry, right, where, you know, she had just gotten, you know, we all we've ever talked about. I've never met her. I've never, I've never even talked on the phone with her, but we've emailed a ton about different projects and stuff. And she's like, yeah, no, my last day is, you know, X date. And that's kind of it. You know, they ran out of space for me. And... I mean, we had like this very like strangely poignant like email exchange about it and like it just it got me you know we were kind of talking about you know we, we almost got into like labor stuff we got into you know be, yeah. you know what it's like to kind of work for these places and all this stuff and it just got me thinking about something that I do think is happening more than even it was like when we started the show a few years ago uh, pe- the people's vocabulary and their political imaginations around this industry are changing mm-hmm you know, we're seeing these really kind of unfair, exploitative things happen to our friends, to our colleagues, you know, and but to us, to us, you know, and it's own and like more and more, though, you're hearing people say things like, you know, it'd be really great. Maybe we maybe we should get a union or maybe we should get this sort of thing or, hey, maybe the problem isn't just on an individual level. Maybe we need something collective or, hey, the problem clearly is this sort, you know, this sort of like venture on this sort of venture capital level. Like, people's political minds as they face these problems, like, it feels like publishing on a level, at least in our generation, like, the people who work in it are radicalizing mm-hmm. right now in a way that I find to be really interesting. Of course, I'm a little bit biased, but it's, I see that energy, and I know you, you and I talk to agents all the time, you know, and they're saying and interested in the same things, you know, we are, and we've got a ton of writers who you know, see these problems through the same, you know, material, you know, materialist terms that, you know, we try to approach them from. And that excites me, that energy, that kind of broadening of one's imagination where, like, we can't just approach these things with the same 
solutions. You know, we people are building, you know, we've talked once, you know, recently um, when we did the Writers Guild episode about alternative structures, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing that kind of stuff. You know, you're seeing, you know, agents instead of use, you know, whatever, you know, tools and technology and infrastructure is available to them to try to solve some of these problems through, you know, um, really kind of smart, you know, on the ground grassroots thing. You think about like, you know, things like DV pit or pitch wars, you know, coming up with solutions from thin air that didn't exist and didn't have to exist and meant to address a very specific need, you know, and I see that stuff and I think, yeah, this is always going to have some shape or form, you know, there's always going to be a space for that sort of thinking and, like, I want to be a part of it, you know, and I think that it's really interesting. I don't know. I've observed that same phenomenon, um, but in in a lot more of a personal way, which actually ties me to this industry closer. So sure. let me explain what yeah. that means. Um, uh, a month or two ago, I went to a writer's conference out of town, um, and this writer's conference flew in some agents and some editors from New York. Um, and... You know, for five years, six years before this particular conference, when I'd meet somebody, they'd ask, you know, oh, are you in New York? Are you in California? Like, what's what's going on with that? And I'd say, nope, I'm in Minnesota. And it was it always like felt like something I needed to apologize for. And the truth of the matter is that I never even had an option to go to New York. Um, I, you know, like I just, I just didn't have money and I didn't have savings and I had debt and like, I just, it's not something I could do. And I'm very lucky that I'm, you know, from a town that has a really robust lit scene Mm -hmm. and I was able to find my way into publishing anyway. Um, but I, that was always something I could never talk about and I never felt like I could talk about because it's very stigmatized. And when I first started, um, it felt like that was going to ding me mm. ra- rather yeah. than just being like a circumstance of, you know, yep. of, of my life. Right. Like when I went to New York City to go have editor meetings and to go meet people, um, you know, I, I could never give the reason why I am not a New York agent. Right. Um, but at this particular conference, I experienced this really wonderful sea change. And it's probably because of the individuals that were there. Um, but I think it was also something a lot broader, which is for the very first time, two, specifically two editors and I, who are all approximately the same age, you know, almost 30, um, were able to talk very frankly about the financial situations that put us where we were. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was able to talk really frankly and not, you know, and and, and just explain <laughs> and and kind of and it didn't feel like it was a ding to say, you know, I yep, I just couldn't afford to go to New York. And one of the editors that I was talking to is, you know, from the surrounding area and was talking about how she lived at home. And about yep. how she had a second yep. job and, you know, like, and that feels like I'm finally meeting these real people who are also passionate about books and, and they're it, being honest about why they're doing this. And, and that it, is so interesting. And it, it feels so much better. Like, I feel so much better about being in this business now that I can have those conversations. Well, and I think what's really fascinating about that kind of um perspective sharing between people and a reason for you know to get back to the theme of the episode a reason for optimism is that everybody's got that story if in, or not everybody but lots and lots of people in publishing yeah have that story and no one ever tells it because they think that it's the thing that will mean that they don't match the signifiers of success yeah. within the industry so like i can't tell you how many different agents um you know i've talked to recently where it's like yeah, I've got a second job. Yeah, I do this other thing. Yeah, I have to, you know, I do all this freelancing on the side just to make sure that I can, you know, wait for the next commission check to hit, all that kind of stuff. Like, and the more... People are talking about it now. The more open that becomes and the more collectivized that, you know, struggle can eventually be, we're going to be in a better, in better shape. And like, thinking back on the, you know, the conversations I have with you know, that kind of that individualized, intimate pipeline of, you know, people I talk to during pitching, right? Where it's like, I don't have to convince everybody, I could have to convince one editor. 
the editors I'm talking to and convincing, they're young, Mm -hmm. you know, like the people who happen to agree with some of the stuff that I pitch or like, you know, on fiction have sort of a similar taste. They're people who are new in their posts, you know, their assistant level, their associate level. And like, there is going to come a time where all of the people we're interested in and kind of view as really interesting figures in publishing are going to occupy more of influential roles than they currently do. They're going to be the publishers and 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 the senior editors. And you can never really get lulled to sleep thinking that people are, you know, progress never ages into itself. Like that never happens. But there is something to be said for the fact that at least the raw material is there waiting to kind of, you know, take root. And I think that that is plenty of reason to be helpful, even if publishing, obviously there are giant forces in play that have nothing to do with individuals that are going to affect the publishing landscape over the next you know decade or so. But it's all there's always going to be a pocket of something really, really special and worthwhile and culture shaping that is worth cultivating and fighting for. And I think that that's where um, that's where, you know, how I think that's probably where we're always going to find ourselves and want to get up each day and do it, you know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. You know, there's there's an agent friend of mine in New York. And a couple of years ago, we had dinner and talked about how she has this vision of like, having all of these agents get together at like a bar or something and yeah. just talk about yeah. like take turns talking about what they had to do to afford food, right? You know, in their career. And I feel like that's just happening organically now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, really affirming <laughs> you know for sure. somebody who who's never um lived in new york city and has never done it and now speaking of really wonderful things i would like to transition us into our weekly Tulun it may concern mm-hmm. um we deeply deeply love this segment um because we love <laughs> hearing about all of your drama but also it yeah. feels like we're helpful so yeah. let's get in to this one please dear loon I'm a YA author who recently published a series through a book packager. Although this series was never picked up by U.S. publishers, it has done fairly well in overseas markets. I learned so much through the process of writing this IP series, and my experience with editors and story creators was incredible. There's only one problem. This IP series features a secondary fantasy world that was heavily based on a mishmash of Asian cultures. I am not an Asian author. Neither I nor my editors at The Packager did any real research or sensitivity reads for these books. Like many packaged series, the books were quickly written, quickly edited, and quickly published. Frankly, this aspect of the project made me uncomfortable from the beginning, but I was, at the time, a writer who'd just been ditched by their agent, had a baby on the way, and really needed that paycheck. So I took the job, and only much later did I express concern that my packager had created this world with little thought as to how it might affect marginalized readers who saw their culture bastardized and exoticized for the sake of some fantasy aesthetic. But by the time I spoke up, the book had already been picked up by the aforementioned overseas publisher, and it was too late to alter the world building. Here's the reason this is relevant now. My new agent and I are about to go on submission with a new original manuscript. As I dip my toe into publishing again and begin to think about my website and social media presence, I am wondering whether this IP series is something I want on my resume. I'd certainly like for editors to know that I wrote a successful series, but at the same time, I'm ashamed of the appropriation I allowed in these books. Any advice? Thanks. Sincerely, regretful writer for hire. So there's obviously... A lot of different parts yep. to this it's a one of the more i would say one of the more complex ones you know we've dealt with in this kind of segment but i feel like the first thing if i'm you know the writer here trying to figure out what to do um you know the instinct to say that it's important to have proven that you can do this sort of work on a sort of a work history mechanical level i think that that is important and mm-hmm. so i would say you it's not you don't want to like ignore this you know you're not hiding from it you know you're not like because it is beneficial to be able to say look I have executed this sort of work before I'm a professional all these sorts of things um, you know obviously that said it sounds as though these are projects that you're not necessarily thrilled to be associated with at this point and so you're not going to be like using them to pitch yourself and promote yourself you know like and so to me, it's sort of this middle ground where 
Um, you're not hiding from this work you did because you did do the work and knowing that you've done that work is important for your future prospects. But I wouldn't necessarily, like you're obviously not using this past work to promote yourself um, any more than, you know, is already kind of naturally happening by virtue of the books existing, you know? And so I think like the key here to me, I mean, it sounds as though, you know, you, the writer, have sort of looked at this and just said, you know what, this was sort of a harmful project. This isn't a project I'm proud to be a part of. This is something that I think is, you know, if if you could do it again, you would have done it differently or not at all, you know, whenever that kind of thing comes up. Um, I think that the, the key is to be ready to kind of talk about that honestly, you know, and be able to, you know, not necessarily... You, know, you don't have to lead with the apology at all times, but like, this is something on your, you know, your work history, and it's something that I think people would appreciate, you know, if it ever, you know, came up and someone asked you about it, you know, being able to say, yeah, you know, I did do that, I did it for X, Y, and Z reasons, you know, I had a baby on a way, on the way, all these sorts of things, but they weren't the right reasons, but they were understandable but, reasons. But yeah, this is what I think about it now. This is, you know, and being able, being able to like honestly take responsibility you know, pointing out very clearly, you know, what you feel, you know, should have been done differently on your end, on other people's ends, you know, whatever it is, and then just kind of move forward thinking about your new work, you know, like, where do you fall in it? You're someone who deals with IP stuff. Yeah. More, art, and even more specifically than IP stuff, this sort of YA, you know, this feels like a very... I do a ton of YA IP. This is yeah. a YA conversation in a lot of ways, it feels like. Right. So it's worth pointing out that children's literature is always and will forever be the battlegrounds for new ideas and new benchmarks for the way people yeah. think about ideas and behave towards one another. Um, so just by virtue of that, the YA community or the middle grade community, et cetera, are always going to be harsher against missteps than, for example, the literary fiction community. Sure. That's just the way that it is. Um, I I think that, you know, this, this author is benefited by the fact that this series is not has not been picked up in the United States. Sure. Um, from an agent perspective, I absolutely because I do a ton of YA and IP and YA IP. Um, I I would want to be able to use the existence of this series as as a selling point for you. And I understand how that gets really squicky really fast. Well, the existence of having done the work more than the is series. Is not the work. Than right. More than the series itself, right? That's right. what you're saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, but I, I do think that considering the options to like distance yourself from yeah. this work are are not good. Um, because I think like what this business and what your genre specifically doesn't need is it doesn't need people like hiding bad decisions that that they made. Like what they need is like, we need people who are willing to be able to look back at that and be like, yep, that was problematic as hell. Honest growth and accounting. Honest growth and accounting. And I think that, you know, like your story could be a really, really beautiful and helpful story for new writers who are in similar situations. I think part of that too, though, you know, the caveat to that, like, is you sort of have to be ready for some readers to hear that story and be like, you know what, I'm not, I don't think I'm interested in another another book from you, you know? And that will probably happen, you know, at some point from somebody. And that is, that's how it goes, you know? And that's part of doing the very, I think, honest and intellectually strong and good thing that you're doing, which is, attempting to take responsibility for while you know like you have I think you're in the right here broadly I think that that is just going to come you know periodically with you know people are not everyone is gonna you know completely forget you know and that's fine like you you probably don't even you shouldn't even want that you know like but that sort of honest um, working through and saying yeah this is something that I did I'm not hiding from it I'm obviously not going to use it as a means of promoting myself now but this exists and here's what I think of it now. Here's why also, you know, but and then all the while kind of working toward the new thing that you're working on, you know, trying to push yourself in those new directions and being able to really kind of clearly articulate how you feel you've shifted, you know, what you think has happened since then. And yeah, um, and it's up to you and your agent to talk about whether you want to deal with this head on 
or you want to just not hide it but not bring attention to it until a certain point in time um i would recommend if you're if you're deeply uncomfortable with your name being on something like this and don't feel like it is i mean because with ip you're given the outline and you're given the world right Mm -hmm. um so your sin is not that you created this your sin is that you partook in it right um i'm wondering if there is a way in your contract to maybe like take your name off of it or you know if it goes out of print like what that clause looks like yeah um i you know i think that it i don't know what your financial situation is now but i think it is also worth considering um setting up some sort of donation or something kind of in in place of the money you received for that particular book. There's plenty of different there, things I mean, like that. yeah, and a lot of that requires privilege, right? Well, a lot of that requires, but, I mean, it, it's just a lot of different, there's a million different ways it can go in terms of that sort of responsibility taking. Right. I think the overarching thing, you know, over all of it is that at some point, this sort of responsibility that you seem perfectly willing to take, and I think that that's really a mature and adult stance, is... To understand that at some point that can be personally, you know, discomforting or uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, like at some point you may have to say, you know, I was wrong and you may have to say so in a way that might sacrifice a specific opportunity or something, you know, and that is simply just part of doing what you're trying to do, which is, you know, be intellectually honest and a good member of a community, you know, and I think that you're doing that and I think that's really great. Um, it's just like that, that would be like my like piece of advice is just to understand that like your progression through this isn't necessarily going to be other people's, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I do, you know, in a lot of ways applaud you for, um, yeah, trying to just, you know, take this on and, you know, do what you can and continue to have a career as you should absolutely be trying to do like all really good. Like I'm, you know, I'm in a lot of ways, I'm kind of impressed by, you know, this sort of note because, you don't get this kind of, you know, we've seen what happens when people, instead of kind of self-reflecting, people choose to double down, they choose to explain away, they choose to try to just push forward without doing the kind of, you know, responsibility taking that we that we all kind of agree is necessary. And so yeah. it's a tricky situation. It's a really interesting and worthwhile one to examine. And I applaud you for doing so. And I, it sounds like you're prepared for a lot of the hard work to come. And that's great. I think that that's, that's where you've got to be. And just remember that it's like the thing to center here is not your own comfort and sense of, you know, and self-actualization. Like, you know, like there's, you know, there's parties involved, you know, that may come up that, you know, might mean, you know, certain doors aren't open, you know, and that's fine. That's how it goes. And that's just part of the growth and the progression into being the writer you now want to be, you know? Yeah. I think your head is in the right place. Your heart is in the right place. I think now you just have to screw your courage to the sticking place and kind of go through with it right yeah. like you yeah. now you have to like actually do it um so good luck we believe in you um we applaud you for doing this um and thank you all for listening to this the hope episode we will see you for a regular episode next week bye, bye.